Welcome to Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell, bringing you the latest information for families seeking to adopt, adoptees, and women considering placing a child for adoption. Now, with today's program, here is Marty Caldwell. Well, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to be discussing a wonderful program. It's really important and I think that many people will find it uh, beneficial uh, even if they're not uh, touched by adoption too. Uh, Today we'll be discussing prenatal drug abuse and its implications in pregnancy uh, and also an adoption. So it's very important that um, you take some notes today too. Before we start, I'd like to remind you to visit our site, letstalkadoption.com. Sign up for our reminder and we'll email you a reminder on all our shows coming up. We also have a calendar with lots of events all over the nation that you can attend regarding adoption uh, for different organizations that have events going on. You'll also find other resources and links to help you. So whether you're seeking to adopt, already parenting, you're an adoption professional, or you're hoping to reunite with a birth family, there are past shows available for you right now. And do send your questions in to me at info at letstalkadoption.com. Today we'll be discussing, again, prenatal drug abuse, and my guest is Dr. Charles Sophie. Um, Dr. Sophie is a board-certified in family practice, family and, uh, fa- child and adolescent psychiatry, and adult psychiatry. He has 20 years plus of experience, including currently serving as the medical director for Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services. Uh, he has appeared on national television and quoted in top and printed media all all over the nation. Uh, he's also a recipient of several awards for his excellence in his uh, field of uh, expertise. So welcome to the program, Dr. Sophie. Thank you very much. Uh, we're excited to have you on the show, and I know you're very busy, but we have a lot of questions in regarding um, prenatal abuse. And, you know, for people that may not be familiar with that term, uh, prenatal abuse. Can you define what that means and, and uh, explain it to our listeners if they're just tuning in now and not know what that really is? That is basically described as drug use, whether it's over-the-counter drug use, social drug use, such as tobacco, alcohol, or illicit drugs during a pregnancy while mm-hmm. a baby is inside the mother mm-hmm. who's using. Okay, so in utero. And, you know, um, you have some stats on the m- number of women, which has you know really increased in the in the last number of years, uh, that are using some type of drugs. Uh, what is that percentage now? Well, approximately ninety percent of pregnant women will take some type of drug during their pregnancy, whether it's prescription or non-prescription or just over the counter, or the social drugs of alcohol and tobacco. Mm-hmm. Um, but around two to three percent of all of those using will have a birth defected uh, fetus or um, child. Wow, that's amazing. So, you know, this is important for people, and that's why the good communication is, is important, not to scare adoptive families off, but also to educate women that are listening that maybe are pregnant, um, that um, think maybe, you know, an occasional beer or something is not going to hurt. Right, absolutely. This is really more for information, empowering people, giving them the knowledge base with which to know what to look for and how to re- find the resource to really make an impact and a better outcome for that mm-hmm. child. Well, when are babies routinely tested for uh, drug abuse? Because not all women are. Um, no, not all women are. Uh, that's correct. During their routine OB exams, if the need comes up, a drug screen or a uh, blood screen will be done. Mm-hmm. But if it's not really something that comes up as an apparent need, the doctor may not necessarily order it. So mm-hmm. on the birthing process is when a child may, for the first time, be tested in their routine testing. And do they do that with the uh, blood from the umbilical cord, or is it... Um, is yes, it's umbilical cord blood usually. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes it's urine from a mom. Mm-hmm. It depends on each case. Mm-hmm. However, they'll come up with 
the outcome of a positive screen. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the other stats that I think is really significant to know is out of um, all the births in a year, there's about a half a million to 750,000 um, exposed kids a year that are born. That doesn't mean all of those children will have a bad outcome or some kind of um, defect, but there is that many children that are um, exposed a year. And that can be, as you mentioned, over-the-counter drugs such as Aleve or Tylenol or, or mm-hmm, any of that type of thing would be also in those stats, nicotine. too. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pardon, which one? Or nicotine. Nicotine, okay. So, you know, that's one of the questions we had come in. Um, how does um, smoking affect? Because a lot of people feel like it's just low birth weight. Should they be concerned? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to scare people away from adopting a child that maybe the, the birth mother did smoke the first trimester. Right. But but what are, what are we looking at, and how, and how much smoking, how many cigarettes a day would that well, we're talking about any kind of nicotine uh, pre-exposure. And as mm-hmm. you know, any drug that you use during pregnancy will cross the placenta into mm-hmm. the blood-brain barrier of that child and, if, and have those similar effects mm-hmm. that it would in anybody using that drug. So nicotine, being the stimulant that it is, will um, do what it typically would do in anyone, which is increase heart rate, uh, constrict blood vessels, which therefore then constricts oxygen and blood supply to vital organs. Mm-hmm. And depending on the use of that nicotine and what timeline of the pregnancy will affect different processes of development in that child, whether it's Mm -hmm. organ development, brain development, Mm -hmm. spinal cord development, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But only about 20% of women who smoke quit during pregnancy, and that's Mm -hmm. a pretty across-the-board statistic. And most consistent effect of that smoking Mm -hmm. on the fetus is low birth weight. It is low. Usually, these kids are about six ounces less than the babies born to women who do not smoke. So, one of the questions we had come in is: is how does has this changed since the 1950s when women would have a martini and and be smoking cigarettes, you know, each night? How is that? Have they found new research, or you know, people that were born in the 50s, many were fine? Um, That's what this one caller is asking about. Yeah, I mean, we have shown significant. defects of heart, brain, and face are more common with babies of smokers than Mm non-smokers. But in general, the numbers of women smoking have gone down Mm -hmm. since the 50s, but there hasn't been any significant birth defect tracking that's shown that the decrease of smoking has decreased birth defects among smokers. Right. So it's just better not to do it at all. If someone is smoking, um, and this is a question I'm going to kind of just paraphrase it here, um, you know, if she she was smoking prior to her knowing that she was pregnant and she did stop, but she's smoking quite a bit. Uh, sometimes people have said in the past that, you know, uh, quitting smoking if you're a chain smoker is more harmful to the child. Do you do you buy into that or not? Not necessarily, because <laughs> the effects of smoking on a fetus are really caused by carbon monoxide and nicotine. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. monoxide reduces the blood supply to body tissues and the nicotine stimulants stimulates release of hormones Mm -hmm. that can constrict blood vessels, which therefore will cut back blood supply and oxygen to vital processes going on. Sure. I think if we cut out those insults to the body by stopping Mm -hmm. and, you know, the nicotine and and the smoking, I think we've cut out a significant risk to that fetus. Right. What are the most used drugs you're seeing today, um, street drugs, let's say, um, start out with? Well, one other quick thing before we leave cigarette smoking, Mm -hmm. secondhand smoke exposure is also... Um, mm -hmm. thought to be similarly harmful to a fetus. So Mm -hmm. that needs to be taken into effect as well. Okay, so secondhand smoke, and that's good for people listening too that uh, we're looking at that. Um, Um, Other outside drugs that that we see a lot of are caffeine and alcohol, Mm -hmm. and then the illicit street drugs. Also aspartamine, the the natural sweetener. So Um, diet drinks. At this point to be safe in pregnancy, Mm 
when used in small amounts. Okay, so that would be on your diet drinks and things like that? Right. Or, or diet products if they're trying to still say, you know, and do you just recommend that people use like stevia or just, you know, um, go without or use regular sugar? Yeah, I mean, I think the natural way is the way to go if they need a sweetener. <laughs> Otherwise, I try to have them <clears throat> stay away from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, is Splenda a, a, a concern? Does Splenda cause problems? Not at this point. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Okay. That's good to know. And and now there are some drugs. Um, we talked about a little bit about Aleve, uh, you know, as far as a red flag in the first trimester, uh, but not the second trimester. Why is that? Because the vital stuff that's going on for a fetus during the first trimester is imperative that they stay as clean as possible. That's mm-hmm. organ development mm-hmm. and, um, you know, brain development. And they're vital pieces of a, a child's makeup that if left uninterrupted, they'll mm-hmm. have the most best outcome that they can have. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, no insults during that time frame is the best thing that you're looking for. And that would be in the second trimester? Yeah. Okay. This is another question, too. Here's a, a woman that said she's, she um, found out she was pregnant. She was on antidepressants. Her doctor stopped her antidepressants, and she had, you know, a big drop. So she immediately got off of it. Will there any, be any effect on my baby? Well, she had a drop of her mood? Mood, uh-huh, yeah. Um, and her question is whether that would have a psychological effect on her child? Well, I think because she got she was taking antidepressant before she knew she was pregnant, and it was, looks like the first trimester, so she was taking it before she knew she was pregnant. Yeah, the first trimester, as I said, is vital. So, I mean, if you can stay clean during that, then if your depression is significant enough, your doctor can find a drug that's been studied enough to be safe mm-hmm. if you need it to get yourself through so that your mental health stays where it needs to be so you're stable for the bonding and the mm-hmm. process that you're going through. Otherwise, you can do other things. There are behavioral interventions. There are there's groups. Inter, there are group interventions. There's all kinds of herbal stuff that you could possibly utilize if you need to. Otherwise, mm-hmm. staying as clean as possible is the best way to go. Okay. And so, the, for this particular lady here that's emailing, uh, she was concerned that because she was on antidepressants, it might affect the you know development of her baby. Not necessarily. Okay. So that's good. Five uh, HTP is that something? It's a natural um, L-tryptophan. Uh, people are using that for sleep and for mood. You you know, serotonin levels. Yeah. Is that... And again, I would recommend the first trimester is vital. Okay. Can't say that enough. And if you can stay clean during that, do the best that you can, yoga, whatever other modality you can utilize to keep yourself functioning through those first three or four months, then see how you feel after that. And then, you know, talk with your doctor to see if there's something else you need to get through the rest of it. Right. I think we're seeing more and more of that, too, um, with, uh, you know, maybe manic depressant, that type of thing. People have problems with it, too. We're going to take a quick break, and I have a lot more questions to pose to Dr. Sophie uh, regarding uh, prenatal abuse, uh, any type of drugs and alcohol, um, nicotine, caffeine even. So uh, this is a very interesting program. I think you'll learn a lot from it. We'll be back right after this quick break. God has a plan for each of us. Sometimes we simply aren't sure what that is. Many Christian families are struggling today with infertility and pregnancy loss and feel forgotten as to God's plan for their lives. Is God trying to convey His plan to you? Perhaps He is trying to lead you to another path for building your family. Christian families are being built every day through the miracle of adoption. There is hope and there's a child for you. Visit LifetimeAdoption.org. Or call 530-432-7373 to learn more about welcoming a baby into your heart through adoption.
Caldwell. Welcome back to Let's Talk Adoption. I'm Marty Caldwell. And uh, if you just joined the program today, we're talking with uh, Dr. Charles Sophie, Medical Director for Los Angeles County Department of Children and Family Services. Uh, we're talking about prenatal drug abuse and its implications during pregnancy. So it's a, an important topic. And we do want to remind you, too, that if you have questions uh, for me, um, do send them in to us at info at letstalkadoption.com. Also, to remind you to visit um, our sites, we have uh, openadoption.com, or you can visit also lifetimeadoption.com if you're interested in adoption uh, services. So hopefully that will help you too. Dr. Sophie, before we left, we were talking about, you know, basically um, some some antidepressants and things that people have taken. Uh, Another uh, listener has asked about uh, tri- the third trimester, uh, the effects on drugs. Uh, she wants to know whether or not the drug abuse, or you know, I guess some type of drug, she doesn't say what it is, uh, has more effect in the third trimester than the fourth trimester. You know, I, I, this is kind of a vague question here, but. Um, the closer to the end of the pregnancy, mm-hmm. the better off you'll be with the least outcome on that fetus. Okay, so this, when when all the organs and the brain and all that functioning place right. in, so right. you know that was the next question we have. You know, uh, uh, we have a lot of questions that have come in. This one, my birth mother used meth to induce her labor. Labor uh, is this going to get to the baby? You know, um, how do will I? What will I expect? I mean, she's she's really worried about this, and I hear about this all the time. And and I assume that it was used illicitly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, again, yes, it will cross the blood vein, the placenta mm-hmm. into the blood brain barrier mm-hmm. of that child. So, you know, that child will test positive on birth. Mm-hmm. The issue is how the withdrawal process for that child goes. That's a, a big telling factor. Mm-hmm. So you'll see if you can get the birth records whether that child born had a difficult time, how their respirations were, how their breathing was, how their circulation and and you know, did they perk up and um, how it was handled by the doctor. And depending on the severity of that will dictate how it'll play itself out. If it was only used close to the end of the pregnancy, the impact on the child will be minimal. Mm-hmm. How about EPCAR scores? I mean, so these children, I'm seeing, you know, eight, nines um, with some of this meth use. Is that... that? That's a pretty good indication that they pretty, they've kind of skated through it and have mm-hmm. minimal effect from it. And and uh, the other important part too is uh, withdrawal. When when do children usually have withdrawal? Infants after birth, uh, if they're going to be drug exposed. Um, just like adults, it depends on the amount of usage. Mm-hmm. I heard forty eight hours. Is that? Well, it could be any time. I mean, if okay. they were used to a daily a dose of the medication mm-hmm. and now they've been born and haven't had it, they could mm-hmm. start to detox right away, mm-hmm. where they can wait the first 12 to 24, 48 hours. It all depends on the amount that the child was exposed to. Mm-hmm. Some some hospitals will keep a child in the hospital. I, and I'm seeing more women, too, that a lot of times will not get prenatal care because they don't want to be detected of Absolutely. using drugs. And so they come in and then they, they call our center and say, you know, I've used drugs and I'm, I'm, I want to find a family. Of course we do, but it's, you know, they have have that fear level and um, anything you can say to them that might help them that um... that even though they feel that they've hurt their child that's not the way they're looked at by the professionals mm-hmm. and to feel safe to go forward and get some help because they're helping their child at the end of the day right and helping themselves too I think Absolutely. too um, what are the studies showing uh, in regards to long-term effects on uh, drug abuse on children that have been affected by let's say cocaine um, it's interesting. It sounds like they would be terrible, but necessarily, not necessarily so. We're mm-hmm. seeing kids that have been exposed to various levels of the drug, mm-hmm. and usually if they're detected early and their withdrawal is handled appropriately and they are looked at and evaluated at a young age to be mm-hmm. able to get the services connected to them, whether it's speech, whether it's 
um, you know, mm-hmm. learning, whether it's social development, wherever the deficit seems to be, and you hit that hard with a good therapeutic intervention, your outcome really seems to be a lot smoother. Mm-hmm. So they have that too. How about pot? And we've got questions here from marijuana use. You know, uh, one woman says she's been using marijuana through her, her last pregnancies and they were fine, and so she wants to use it through now. This has been a challenge because she wants to place this child for adoption. What about marijuana? Um, whether the use of marijuana during a pregnancy harms a fetus is still unclear. Mm-hmm. The main ingredient of marijuana, which we know is THC or tetrahydrocannabinol, it does cross the placenta mm-hmm. and therefore that does get into the blood-brain barrier. Mm-hmm. But if marijuana is used heavily during pregnancy, newborns can have behavioral problems, but nothing that's really been truly documented. Okay, so they're looking at that too. Yeah, it doesn't mean use it, but it does mean that, you know, it... it be aware of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, then we have alcohol questions. Here we are. Um, so if we can move into this... Um, We've had many questions on alcohol. How does alcohol affect babies? I'm surprised a lot of families will say, I don't want any smoking or any type of drugs, but if, the, if she drinks, it's okay. Well, there is a syndrome called fetal alcohol syndrome, mm-hmm. and drinking during pregnancy has been known to be the leading cause of birth defects. Mm-hmm. So it does have an impact. Right. Um, the amount of alcohol required to cause a defect is truly unknown, but pregnant women are advised to abstain. Mm-hmm. especially during that first trimester, if they have any ability. Mm-hmm. Um, the effects of drinking are great on, on uh, pregnant women and fetuses. Risk of miscarriage doubles for mm-hmm. these women, um, especially if they drink heavily. And so how about uh, a college student that goes to a, uh, you know, a rave, uh, you know, they're drinking beer, or they're, doing, you know, they're, they're drinking shots, uh, and then they find out, oh, my gosh, I'm pregnant. You know, this is when women will say, oh, well, I, you know, I, I drank, so I better, I better abort the baby or you no know, one's going to want this baby. Um, and they're, they're nervous about this. What, what, do you, what do you feel about, how do you feel about that? I would tell them that they need to talk to a professional, preferably mm-hmm. their doctor, to be able to really identify the amount that they've used because mm-hmm. there is no known amount that will cause a specific defect. And the sooner you stop, the better. Mm-hmm. And the chances for that child having a normal life are significantly mm-hmm. high. So please don't go to that place right away. Mm-hmm. Talk to a professional and look at the positives, because once you stop, we can move forward. Yeah, and I think that's really important, too. Uh, you're doing a lot of work. What, what kind of things are you seeing now as far as research in, in the future, as far as uh, you know, prenatal abuse? Um, findings? We see a lot of... Uh, Fetal alcohol syndrome, which mm-hmm. is the leading cause defect in any woman who's using alcohol during a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And it occurs at about two of a thousand live births. Mm-hmm. It includes a lot of um, inadequate growth, both mm-hmm. physically, emotionally, and developmentally. Small heads, um, small brains, mental mm-hmm. retardation, abnormal behavior. Mm-hmm. So that's really where a lot of the focus is. It's not necessarily just on specific drug use and outcomes. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. in general to the behavioral and developmental outcomes of kids that are exposed. Mm-hmm. And different centers, especially here in L.A., we're looking at trying to identify um, services that will support, in general, drug-exposed kids, but specifically the alcohol-exposed one seems to be the larger population. Now, is, is there a certain group as far as age or, um, um, you know, uh, women that are homeless? Or are, what, what do you see? Do you see any trend within that? We see high-risk women and high-risk pregnancies are not necessarily medically owned, you know, just not defined from medical Mm -hmm. Um, perspectives. It's from socioeconomic issues as well. So we try to target through different programs uh, here in Los Angeles County Mm -hmm. to be able to help women early in their pregnancy to support them from various venues, both socioeconomic to medical to mental health, Mm -hmm. to be able to have them be able to reach and connect to the resources so that they don't 
revert back to the crutches of drug use mm-hmm. and alcohol use and those kinds of insults to their children to be able to get them through these pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do see the higher risk potential of these women who have uh, socioeconomic issues. And, and you know, what can the community do? I mean, what are you seeing as far as um, what people that really have compassion that are listening that can that can do to help um, other women? I know that's kind of a broad type thing, but, you know, if we can help one or two women here and there. Um, uh, I mean, I think it's a really great thing if women who want to support other women who have either gone through this themselves or have known a family member or a friend who have gone through it and be able to speak out about it and break down the fear of coming forward. Mm-hmm. Because a, a lot of women are fearful of coming forward for being chastised about hurting their child or not caring enough, and that's usually not the case. It is women who are caught in bad situations that mm-hmm. just need some assistance and to be able to speak out and help people come forward, not be fearful, and be able to reach for help. Right, and I think, too, a lot of times adoptive parents are not aware. That's why we wanted to have this program, and we're actually going to do another part next week with Dr. Sophie um, on uh, if your child has had drug exposure, um, and we'll have that next week, too. But, you know, you mentioned something about a caffeine, and I, I want to talk about that because I think a lot of people are under the assumption that, you know, a couple cups of coffee, up to four cups of coffee a day is not going to affect me if I'm pregnant. Let's just talk about caffeine. Okay. Um, as far as, you know, is sodas have caffeine, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tea, coffee, um, the, the sodas have caffeine, like you said. Um, mm-hmm. And right. just because they're not uh, brown and dark doesn't mean they don't have caffeine in them. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of sodas um, that have caffeine. So check your labels because mm-hmm. you may be fooled. Yeah. Um, what kind of effect are, can they have, um, you know, on, on the, the baby? Well, it, it does cross the placenta. Mm-hmm. It does affect the fetus. It stimulates the fetus just like it would stimulate anyone using it. So it increases heart rate and breathing rates. Mm -hmm. It also can decrease blood flow across the placenta, which Mm -hmm. therefore will decrease the absorption of Mm -hmm. iron, which Mm -hmm. has been shown the most significant effect of the um, caffeine usage. It's iron absorption. And, um, you know, somewhere between seven or eight cups of coffee a day increases this risk Mm -hmm. of um, decreased iron absorption, decreasing Mm -hmm. blood flows, and stillbirth, mature premature birth and low birth weight. And that so, can know, actually... Somewhere between yeah. seven to eight cups a day. Yeah. Or one, one, like my technician just said, uh, you know, Mountain Dew. <laughs> one Mountain Dew Exactly. Could Mountain do Dew it. is very significant in caffeine, yeah. and that's what I meant by the dark and the light sodas. Check yeah. your labels. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, we've got a lot more to cover. We're going to be doing this next week also, and uh, Dr. Sophie's going to join us back here, where we actually are going to discuss now, if you know your child has had drug exposure, not to frighten you, but give you the tools you need on what to look for, and uh, again, education is the key to so much because I feel like a lot of people do pass up a um, you know a lot of good situations because they're unaware and they get fearful. Yeah, exactly. The fear can be very crippling at times, and I'm hopeful that through this communication we're doing that we're able to inform people to feel empowered to reach out and assist these children because they will have a good outcome as long as you are able to connect them to good service. Right, and we've got some good stories next week, too. You have a title. It's called Keep Them Off the Couch, Real Simple Answers to Solving Life's Big Problems. What's your website? Um, Simple, drsophie.com. And that's D-R-S-O-P-H-Y dot com. Exactly. Thank you so much for this week. And this is our first part of our two-part ser- series with Dr. Sophie. So, Dr. Sophie, we're going to see you next week also with more information. And I really appreciate you being on Let's Talk Adoption. Thank you very much. Okay. Well, I'm excited about next week. I'm excited about this week. I hope this has been very informative. It has been for me. And um, I think this is information that all of us can really learn a lot from. So I'm really happy that you joined us. And it's been such a pleasure to be with you. Uh, if you have questions, please send them in to me at 
uh, info at letstalkadoption.com. And if I didn't get to your questions this week, we'll try to get to them next week. I really appreciate you sending those in. And uh, this is Marty Caldwell. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell. For more adoption information, visit LifetimeAdoption.com or call 1-800-923-6784. That's 1-800-9-ADOPT-4. And tune in again next week at the same time for Let's Talk Adoption with Marty Caldwell.